Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. Well, today's show is all about beauty and skincare, and it's brought to you by our friends at Ulta. Oh my God. This is one of those, I'm going to call it a low stakes episode. And I mean, this as like the highest compliment ever in the sense of like, no one is like losing a life or losing rights. Like no one is like being like fundamentally harmed in the making of this episode. Like we are going to kind of like relax and talk about some things that give us great pleasure. We love talking about this stuff. Yeah. So here's a bone, like a bonus pleasurable episode all about beauty. Tell me. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So you might be aware that I stay in your house frequently. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you here right now? I am not. I'm not in the other room currently, but I am frequently in your home. And I think of you as like a, a discerning products person. Like you are a person whose recommendations I always trust implicitly and who I trust to kind of be like up to date on what is new, new and excellent. And so I wonder if you could like tell me about how you make choices. Like, how do you decide what is a good thing that you want to put on your bod? Wow. So (laughs) I thank you for that very high compliment because I clearly don't feel the same way, but I'm going to tell you why. I have like two modes when it comes to like things that I want to put on my body. One is that you know, I uh, I like good hygiene overall. That is a it's a core value to me for <laughs> for reasons probably that we've expanded on over the last four years of doing the show. And I I think about like taking care of your skin as part of that. Um, it's a big organ. It is a yeah, big ass organ. It's your lar- <laughs> it's your largest organ. That's what I hear. You know, and I think that a lot of it too for me is really like learned rituals. Like my mom was a very beautiful woman who took like meticulous care of herself. And um, I don't think I will ever feel as beautiful or as graceful as her. And so I think that a lot of it is just like trying to to like mimic that and reclaim Aww. that. And what were her go-tos? I'm curious. Oh, my mom was like a, she was, so we grew up like definitely like not very rich but she was really adamant about if you had something, it had to be good quality and it had to also be a workhorse. So like for makeup, she was definitely like, a, like she was into like Chanel and YSL. Those were like her go-to makeup lines. But now I also realize that it's because nobody made like good makeup for women of color. And so mm. it was definitely, it was a status marker for her. But I remember like the brands that I would always see on her, like on her ledge or like she believed in like moisturizing like I did, but she also had a ton of stuff that was like very, you know, it's like your workhorses like were, were had to be cheap. It's like my mom was using shea butter before shea butter had a revolution, but we're also <laughs> like, we're African people. So it's like part of what we do. Right. So, so I like to think about that stuff as like, part of it is like 
being clean and taking care of yourself. Some of it is about taking time out to feel good about yourself. And for so for as much as like people are into makeup, like I am super not into makeup. I'm like, I'm into skincare. Like I want my skin to look good and to feel good. And I think that some of it too is really like this place where you are assigning a value on like your own worth to yourself. You know, like I don't do it for any kind of external external kind of gratification but I'm like this is part of self-care for me and to be clear like self-care as as outlined by Audre Lorde has nothing to do with spending money but I think that like you know it is about like creating rituals that make you feel saner and and skincare is part of that for me yeah so it's like it's a really funny thing to think about like especially as like people who identify as women raised by like you know, mothers with really different ideas about like beauty and beauty products and skincare and what you put, what you put on your body, basically. Like, so my mom is to this day, one of the only women who I know, like definitely the only woman I knew growing up who did not wear makeup at all, like not a lick of it. She did not own like a lipstick, a mascara, like anything. I think she probably had some like hand lotion and that was it. Like it would be, I actually should ask my mother if there, if there was anything that she put on her face other than like ivory soap when I was growing up, but like that we're talking that basic. And so makeup was this thing I fetishized as a kid. Like when I would go like sleep over at a friend's house or when I would see like a commercial or like see an ad for makeup, I was like, it was almost like sex or something where I was like, what is this forbidden object? Like what is this (laughs) forbidden thing? For real, like, and and I think I still have a little bit of, I mean, I would agree with you that like skincare, makeup, two different things, but I think that I still have a little bit of like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm still learning. That's like in, you know, inherent, even though obviously lots of people who grew up watching parents put on makeup can have like those feelings too. But I, I feel like I tread tentatively in this world. And maybe that's why I'm like, so like, oh, I trust your opinions or I trust you know, friend of the podcast, Amanda Matos's opinions, or, you know, like there's like, a, I have yeah. like a, 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 a council. I have a beauty council. I consult. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think also it is all about like what your goals are. Like for me, like my goal is always to feel like my face is moisturized. And part of that is because like I have eczema. I, I have a lot of like dry skin issues. And so, you know, dermatology is like a real science actually. And so part of doing skincare well it's also about like the health of your skin. And so that's something that's like really front of mind for me. And, you know, it's like a blemish here, a blemish there, like an eczema flare, an eczema flare here or there. It's definitely like very visible for me. And so I think about that a lot. So in terms of like makeup, when it comes to makeup, again, the like distinction with skincare, I don't know what I'm doing with makeup. I'm like, there are two (laughs) things that I like to do. I like to have like a lot of eyeliner, but that's literally because eyeliner is the only thing I know how to do. And, you know, like every once in a while, a bold lip. Um, But that's also because those two things are like very easy to navigate. I love watching makeup YouTube videos because it's, you know, I'm just like, this is a science I will (laughs) never understand how to do. And there is something like really performative about it that I also greatly enjoy. And I also like that, I guess now, the idea of who gets to wear makeup and what makeup does is so much more subversive than it was when I was a kid. Mm. And so I love, like, watching 
women of color like change the makeup industry. Right. And pushing other brands to level up as well. Yeah. Right. Right. Or, you know, or like watching really amazing like queer YouTubers like do incredible things with makeup. And also having a conversation about like, you know, how does makeup make you feel? I have never been to BeautyCon, but so many pals have been. Wait, what is BeautyCon? Oh my God. So BeautyCon is basically like this festival for makeup. And I love that their tagline is, you don't need lipstick, lipstick needs you. (laughs) And their whole mission is like uh, challenging traditional beauty standards and redefining what beauty means. And so anytime I see like pictures of pals that are at BeautyCon, like everybody looks so extra, but in the best way possible. And it is not my idea of who would like traditionally be at a a conference about makeup, I would say. And it's really challenged me to rethink about, you know, the value that we ascribe to makeup and actually like the transformation that is possible there. And so it's this place where, you know, now I feel like, oh, with makeup, you can celebrate your individuality. You can build up a lot of self-esteem. You, you know, like you can champion kindness. And these are all things that would have never occurred to me because I'm not a sophisticated thinker enough about this stuff. Stop. But, you are um, the most sophisticated thinker. But it's, it's just been like cool. It's just like cool to watch, you know, like something that is so easily relegated to like a bad thing that women do. And like, uh, if you're a feminist, you shouldn't use it. And really think about actually like what, how can you have a more expansive mind about what beauty is and what are the tools that you can use to like work on that? Because a huge part of people wearing makeup is about self-confidence. Oh, completely. And I, I think about this a lot when, you know, I almost always wear a bold lip when I do some kind of public speaking or I if I have something to do where I'm like, people will be or should be listening to the words coming out of my face. I'm going to paint my mouth to be like, like, this is where the important things are happening. Like, it's like the words coming out of my mouth and I like can't explain it. You know, I mean, obviously it is fun. Like a bright color lipstick is a fun thing for me as well. But like, it is almost a confidence thing on a level of eyes are for like an intimate, this is like my own personal psychology. Eyes are like intimate moment. I am having like a, like a small dinner with like, you know, a few close Wow, I love this. And my, (laughs) and like a bold lip is like, yeah, I am here to like tell you what I am thinking or for like my words to be front and center of like what I am about. And it's weird. I noticed recently that like when I do, when I do things like uh, interview a friend who has written a book, like this is a thing you and I both do, I think fairly often. I am like way less likely to be in bold lip mode. It's like psychological where I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm asking questions. I'm at, well, it's not that it's work. It's more just like I'm here to kind of facilitate you talking about this work that you've made. I'm not like, I'm not the center of this scene. Whereas if I'm giving some kind of talk somewhere or if I'm like anywhere where I'm, I am supposed to be like a little bit more in charge, I am like bold lip central. It was something I just did without thinking about it. And it took me a while to be like, how am I making these choices? Yeah, you know, it's funny too hearing you talk about this. Like I realized that my my parents were actually like very strict about makeup. Like we, my sister and I were not allowed to wear makeup, couldn't shave. Even wearing like jewelry was like a thing for, you know, like patriarchy reasons, I, I realize now. And, so, and I feel conflicted about like being raised that way, but I do appreciate the fact that it also means that I'm not, I'm not like overstimulated by a lot of that stuff as an adult, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so like that feels good, but at the same time, like it feels good to experiment. And so whenever I think about like the last two years, I've definitely been like in a skincare makeup, like very exploratory zone. And I think that a lot of that is just like 
very, very, very delayed adolescence slash I have my own money now. I mean, you know, like I don't have to ask my mom, you know, like I don't have to ask my mom for lipstick money. And so I think that like, you know, psychologically, that is a huge part of that also really thinking about like, why is it fun to like explore this and how, you know, like, why does it feel so subversive to me specifically, even though like, I'm a cis person who like presents very femme and like, it's not a, there's nothing like revolutionary about me wearing makeup, but within like my own story of self, it does feel like a huge like shift. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing too, to think about that. Like our friend of the podcast and our like music composer, Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs um, has this thing where she wears bright red lipstick, but like on her eyebrows, Um, like not on her lip and like, you know, like the idea that like you can be like, okay, I know the trope of a pretty like femme presenting woman wearing red lipstick and I'm going to like subvert that in a way that feels like really true to who I am and how I want to present is like very, very fun. And it's like, it's one of those things that I'm like, it made so much sense when I saw it. I wasn't like, why are you wearing lipstick on your eyebrows? I was just like, yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it it is, it is the kind of thing where there is a lot of room for self-expression. Right. You know, the other thing too is, so when I was at UT, um, Hook'em Horns, (laughs) I studied, I studied under this professor who is actually great, Daniel Hammermesh. He taught my economics 101 class and a a bunch of other classes I took. And one one of the main reasons I love him is that in the economics 101 class, the extra credit, first of all, there was extra credit in a college class. That's how you know that it's it's literally for dummies. But the the extra credit was always like law and order SVU related. And I was like, I know I at least have five (laughs) points in this class, no matter what happens. You're like, how did I get so lucky? (laughs) But so anyway, like Daniel Hammermesh is a, like he's a labor economist and um, he he writes a lot about beauty and like women's beauty specifically. I think his like area of knowledge is like they call it polchronomics now, the economic study of beauty. Oh, wow. I did not know that word. And he's like, he is great. The thing that I like loved about taking all these classes with him is that he really talked about like beauty as a commodity, you know? Mm. And it made me think a lot about the value that we ascribe to beauty. And he always says, he's like, women feel that beauty is like inherently important And usually, like, women will feel bad if they are ugly. That's because society makes you feel that way. And um, he tracks a lot, like, the effect of appearance on earnings potential. Oh, it's so real. And really thinking about, like, you know, like, beauty is scarce and scarcity, like, commands a price. Because the beauty industry also is just capitalism. Like, let's be real. Just also, like, it makes me think so much about, like, you know, who who do we say is attractive? Or when I hear especially like white feminists like rail about how you know like wearing makeup is like very bad I think about the fact that like for a lot of women of color like wearing makeup is part of the the uniform of respectability at work like you can't get away with not doing it right and what do you get away with for wherever you are on the track you know right like it's so it can be so satisfying because on one level there is a lot of control in terms of like making decisions about your self-presentation on another level it's like yeah like there are these bigger social forces at work and like we are all aware of like ingrained what is at least western american like modern culture's definition of beauty and like the price the price for not conforming to that or the price for not conforming to like anyone's idea of what you should be gender wise um, and like what does beauty look like for everyone else as being a separate and competing and like very real factor that you can't really divorce yourself from because you live in the world. 
Yeah, um, I will link to Professor Hammermesh's book, Beauty Pays, because some of it is really fascinating because there's actually like numbers on this, how like handsome men make something around like 13% more during their career than a looks challenge peer, looks challenge, LOL. That's wow. the language. Um, you know, the net benefit is like different for women who are like, you know, like quote unquote, comely. Is that how you say that word? <laughs> Comely? Yes, comely. That word. Um, because, you know, like, also a lot of times, like, women can marry men with higher earnings potential. Like, that stuff That stuff is just, like, fascinating to me. My favorite, like, thing from studies and from the book is how uh, attractive people are more likely to be hired in a recession. And so when you think about, like, these kinds of economics, it really... It's eye-opening. It's just we judge people on their looks all of the time. And so if you think about, like, makeup and skincare as a tool, this is, like, one way to level up. And it's obviously, like, very complicated. So it's not as much as if you buy this expensive cream, like, you can fix that. Or, you know, or even saying that, like, people who are really beautiful get everything. There are a ton of studies about the beauty penalty. Like, it is hard to win if you are a woman. So... I guess that like my rambling point is that if makeup brings like a level of self-esteem to you and also like helps you participate in society in a way that is acceptable, then why not? Yeah, I know. And it's, it is, it is also one of those things too, which friend of the podcast, Virgie Tovar is always talking about this with regard to body shapes and weights and like what is sort of considered a physique worth culturally rewarding and not, you know, she's always like, this is completely, you know, culturally subjective, right? Like it is not like throughout time, one body or one definition of beauty has persisted. Like these are things that like do change. They just change at a rate that like our beloved Gina would call geologic time as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to in real time. And I think that like, you know, that's why the choices that you, that you make day to day or that we all make day to day at a certain level, you're like, yeah, like if you are like a woman or gender nonconforming person in this world, like you are going to be punished no matter what you do. So you might as well enjoy yourself and try to find what feels like true self-expression for you. 100%. This special episode is brought to you by Ulta Beauty, which celebrates the meaningful role and power of beauty in our lives and the belief that beauty is limitless. Ulta Beauty is America's largest beauty retailer with the finest selection of products and services to bring out your best and help you share it with the world. They have 20,000 products at all price points in makeup, fragrance, hair care, and skincare with a selection of over 500 brands to choose from. They also have a team of industry professionals to help you discover a world of beautiful possibilities. You can find your ideal shade, shape the perfect brow, or create a radiant skincare routine. Yeah, shout out to the brow bar at Ulta Beauty, let me tell you. Thanks to our sponsor Ulta for this special low stakes episode. Okay, can we talk about brows for a hot second? Yes. Um, brows, man, the style evolution of brows. I'm really glad I clung on to my brows because my parents wouldn't let me do anything with them when you were supposed to have no brows in the 90s. And so now it means that I can achieve maximum brow look. But I like that's the one area of my body that I am currently obsessed with. I have to tell you that I told someone recently, I don't think it was you, but I told a friend that I trim my eyebrows with a scissors because that's how prolific my eyebrow growth is. Oh no, it was me. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, you were like, Anne, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it seems dangerous for one. 
Well, I have to say they're very thick. They are very coarse and they grow back very quickly. So yeah. even the times when I have like done a self brow trim while stoned, I'm like a little bit of pencil filler and those babies are back in action. Like I have I a lot of physical challenges, but it, prolific brow growth is not one of them. <laughs> Listen, all I want is prolific brow growth. Please give it to me. I care a lot, but I pretend that I don't care, but I've definitely like I'm tracking it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's also like fun to watch, you know, I don't know how like those, like, this is why I say that like beauty is a scam. It's like 10 years ago, you were supposed to have like pencil thin eyebrows and now you're supposed to have like the bushiest, most gorgeous, like how, like we cannot keep up. Yeah. I mean, I brush my eyebrows like some people brush their hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Man, <laughs> yeah. man, man, man. I like, I want that. Uh, what is the name of that product? Like that I feel like was not not like recently recently but within the past few years that's like was like an eyebrow like essentially rogaine for eyebrows i don't I know mean, there's so i mean i mean i guess you can put rogaine on your eyebrows i put just regular castor oil on my eyebrows cuz castor oil wait is that oil, a growth thing yes castor oil helps with growth for everything so i put a little bit of my hair and i put some of my eyebrows oh my god i had no idea listen like literally the bathroom is where racism is solved you know what i mean it's where like women of all colors come to like to exchange real tips on what's going on. It is true. Sometimes I think about what my exfoliation routine would be like if I were not friends with black women and I shudder. I really like feel like I have like gained so much beauty knowledge from like friends who have a different background in history with products and like needs. I can't even tell you. I'm telling you, it's like it is truly my favorite thing. But at the same time, like all of the stuff is also just like fascinating to talk about, like the the things, the the body parts that like change that you covet that you you know um, the way that like the trend cycle works. It's a uh, you can never win, so might as well be yourself and feel awesome about yourself. Okay, so. We have obviously rambled about beauty long enough, but we asked a couple of different people who we love and respect to tell us about a beauty hack, an item, like a process, a ritual, something that they are obsessed with right now in the world of beauty. Hey, it's your girl, Jenna Wortham, staff writer at the New York Times Magazine and co-host of Friend of CYG Pod, Still Processing. I have two beauty tips. One is practical and one is spiritual. The first one is rosehip oil, your new best friend. It will raise your credit score, pay off that credit card, find you a boo. I put it on just a little bit at night before I go to bed. has completely changed the game for me. That's the first thing. The second thing is more existential, psychological, spiritual, which is just sleep sleep as much as you can right now we're all coping with so much and we need to be well rested sleep is hard to come by listen to ocean sounds or rain noises on spotify whatever get that sleep (laughs) our dreams are also really important data points there's so much to glean from being really present even while we sleep and seeing what comes up from the subconscious but on a practical level i mean you just really need to be well rested to deal with the world today so hope those help love you guys love the show hi this is free rasheen um i have a couple of beauty tips actually about three years ago, I got really into cleansing my face twice 
a day. I know who am I. Um, that's something that I feel really revolutionized the ecosystem of my face because I'm sort of in that combi combination skin subsect and um, it, it can be kind of confusing because you don't really know what your face needs all the time but cleansing it and then vitamin C-ing it has really changed some of the hyperpigmentation that I used to have um, from scarring and just like scars in general have faded um, and my face looks clearer. Hello, call your girlfriend. It's me, Virgie Tovar. I've had an unprecedented year of body acceptance and coming into my own as a fat brown babe. And when I was thinking about one beauty tip or hack, I had to kind of look back in the archive of my mind and figure out what led to this year of like extraordinary beauty and this awareness of my own beauty and this coming into it. And I realized there were a number of things. I am not a woman, a few words. However, I narrowed it down to the one I'm going to share. I spent a lot of 2018 taking photographs of my double chin. Now, my goal for 2019 is to eradicate the high angle photo forever. Now, this is an ambitious goal. And for those of you who might not know what this is, the high angle photo is kind of a cultural phenomenon where in selfies or in group photos, you're encouraged to take the image from above. There's perhaps many reasons why there's the impetus for this, but I've sort of come and narrowed it down to like pretty much one big reason, which is to hide or minimize the double chin. Now, I was reading an article recently that said that for people who were born after 1980, they will take selfie, they will take a selfie 25,000 times in their lifetime. Now, I was born after 1980, and I'm pretty sure that um, I will be uh, quadrupling that, that number, if not, <laughs> if not quintupling or more. I take a lot of pictures of myself, and I'm in a lot of photos. And I came to this realization earlier this year that I was tired of sort of doing all of this extra labor to fit in with this high angle norm. I decided that whatever my face happened to look like, either in a selfie or in another person's photo, I was just going to radically accept it and not fight back. And I was just going to allow myself to be documented however my face looked in that moment. Now, a little bit of background. I have always had a double chin. I have chubby cheeks. I have a double chin. And what this angle sort of paradigm really does is it encourages fat phobia in tiny moments spread out over a very long period of time. Now, I just I decided to stop doing it, like I said, and I had these like wild realizations and these like wild shifts that were happening inside of me. They were small, but undeniable. So first of all, I found that it reduced anxiety right? I could photograph myself all the time, as I mentioned. So it took a little bit of anxiety out of my everyday life, out of all those moments that I photograph. Number two, it allowed me to create a rich sort of body of, of imagery around my face and my double chin in all of its various moments, right? When I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm excited, when I'm laughing, right? These are, this is like the multiplicity of human expression. Our face does that. And I was like, I don't want to censor that anymore. And the third thing, the third unexpected thing 
was that I found that I grew this fondness for my double chin. It was like me and her had like a new found best friendship, you know, and it was just really special. And I found that in my non-photograph life, I was able to accept and love and celebrate my double chin um, all the more, right? More than I ever had before. And so um, I'm a big fan of abandoning the high angle photo. That's my hack. That's my tip. Stop practicing fat phobic camera techniques and celebrate your face and obviously your body in all of its complexity all the time over and out hi Anne. hi amina it's dodi i don't wear a lot of makeup i don't have any of the skills associated with it i cannot contour i feel that i am bad at putting on eyeshadow uh, I'm okay at putting on blush and lip color. <laughs> um, but I think of myself as fairly low maintenance. Um, I do like taking care of my skin. I like exfoliating and moisturizing. I like my hyaluronic acid. I like to come home after a long day and lie on my couch and do a sheet mask. Um, very, very wonderful feeling. Um, but I do have one ritual that I really enjoy um, that I've been doing on and off for a couple of years, and that is eyelash extensions. It's very indulgent and decadent. And just to be able to lie down for an hour in the middle of the day with your eyes closed is such a treat. And it's one of the few times, <laughs> besides when I'm sleeping, that I'm not looking at a screen. And then there's the result, which is beautiful lashes and I feel like when I have lashes and then just do a little bit of blush and a little bit of lip color I'm ready to go and even when I just wake up in the morning and I don't have any makeup on and I look in the mirror and I have the lashes I feel pretty I feel like I feel like a Disney princess but even though I don't wear a lot of makeup I do think we're living in interesting times regarding the politics of beauty uh, when I was growing up, I didn't see a lot of women of color in mainstream magazines. And now you have so many different skin tones and ethnicities in advertising and doing their own, you know, beauty influencer work on social media. I'm happy that beauty has become more inclusive and it's so inspiring. There's so many different kinds of people enjoying makeup, having fun with it, experimenting, playing. And it's not about the male gaze. It's about self-expression. And I love that. And uh, I think it's really interesting that there are women like Winnie Harlow and there are male makeup artists and non-binary people experimenting with makeup and expressing themselves with makeup and using it as an art form. And I think that's really cool. I really do think that sometimes taking care of yourself and indulging in these purely self-satisfying acts can be really powerful, especially if you're the kind of person who's more likely to give time and attention to others. There are moments when giving yourself permission to think about beauty on your own terms, not as a Eurocentric mandate coming from some external authority, some beauty editor somewhere, or just society at large, or your high school, but just to do what you like, I feel sometimes can be kind of a radical act. 
humans have gone through so many phases and fads and ideas of what is beautiful. I mean, scarification, foot binding, ritual tattooing, powdering your hair white, um, powdering your face white, skin lightening, uh, tanning beds, and super straight hair, you know, Brazilian blowout, <laughs> uh, teased hair, um, and lip plumping, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just feels to me like we might be heading in a direction where people are more likely to work with what they have and embrace what they have. And it's less about conforming to some standard, but just doing what you feel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true, but I hope so. Hope you guys are having a great day. Bye. I need to go put on a face mask now. You, I feel like you're going to get the full Amina when we're on tour because I am like very dedicated to doing um, face masks in the plane now. Oh. And I always, like people look at me like I'm wild. And then every time we land, I'm like, look who does not look amazing. I look amazing because I believe in moisturizing in this tin can in the sky. Do you do a sheet mask or do you do like a, like a cream mask or something? I, I do both. So it just depends how long the flight is and what I've carried. But usually like if it's super easy, I'll do a sheet mask. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Mandy Simon, who made me like the most amazing like a go bag basically for when I was going to Australia. Because I'm like, I'm going to be on this plane for two days. What do I do? And it had everything from like Tums to like this amazing... Um, like lavender face mask that like heats up on your eyes. Like, thank you, Mandy Simon. You bring, you have brought a lot of like good things to my life. Yeah. I need to do, I need to moisturize my whole face. So I will do a sheet mask and I will also do like a cream pack and just like leave that on depending on how many hours we're, we're on the plane. Oh my but God. It, it has really helps. Like I said, I have like eczema. I need like, I need like my skin is always on fire. Extreme moisture. Yeah. Extreme moisture at all time. Um, but yeah, also, you know, I'm like, reclaim my space. <laughs> this oh, is completely. My space. I'm like, this is my space. I'm happy to do this. Well, thank you so much to all of our voicemail leaving experts. And thank you to Ulta for underwriting this special episode of Call Your Girlfriend. See you on tour, boo-boo. Ugh, see you in a face mask on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcasts, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.